You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Harris Beach Podcast. My name is Ben Rand, Senior Manager of Communications here at Harris Beach. And today I'm joined by partner H. Todd Ballard, a member of our Public Finance and Economic Development and Business and Commercial Litigation teams, and Kim Swetland, Chief Administrative Officer. Kim and Todd are playing an important role in shaping the Harris Beach workforce for today and tomorrow. As co-chairs of our Council on Inclusion and Diversity, Kim and Todd lead a team of attorneys and professional staff in developing programs and providing advice to the firm on matters of equity, awareness, and inclusion. People of color and women are historically underrepresented in law firms, but particularly as partners and in other positions of leadership. Harris Beach has and will continue to devote significant resources to do its part to turn that fact upside down. One of our core values is inclusion and diversity, and we are focusing on hiring, retaining, and promoting members of underrepresented populations at every level, from management to equity partnership, to the associate attorney workforce, and across our staff of professionals. Kim, Todd, and I today will talk about the work Harris Beach has done and is doing, and will continue doing in this year, and look at some of the obstacles that remain. Kim and Todd, thanks for being here. Thank you, Ben, for having us. Todd, if we could start with you just to provide a little bit of uh, context. Could you give us just a little bit of history, um, both of your background with Harris Beach and of the Council on Inclusion and Diversity? Certainly, Ben. Thanks for giving me the time and thanks for uh, putting this podcast together. Uh, Well, first of all, um, I will be giving you some history because I've been practicing for 34 years. So, I have some history to give uh, with respect <laughs> to this podcast. Um, I started as an associate with the firm in 1987. And at the time, there were no other um, uh, attorneys of color, or specifically no African-American attorneys of color had been hired at that time. Um, and as you know, the firm is well over 150 years old. And at the time, it was at least uh, over 100 years old. So that was a very interesting experience. I got hired right out of law school. And at the time, Harris Beach had a very intensive two-day interview process, uh, which consisted of, uh, you know, social uh, types of interactions with the partners at uh, Oak Hill Country Club, you know, seeing how folks could uh, interact uh, in terms of, you know, uh, are they going to have too much libations? Are they going to know how to properly use a fork and knife, things of that nature, right, just to see if you had the class and and the etiquette to become part of the of the firm. And then thereafter, the next day was the more formal interview process. So I, I made it through that process, thankfully, and I was hired as an associate in 1987. And I served as an associate uh, from 1987 to 1991. And thereafter, I left for a period of time and then came back to the firm in 2007. Uh, it was a very exciting time. Um, I'm looking at the, the announcement and some press that, that came back. Uh, you know, with respect to my uh, return to the firm. And at the time, it was very exciting because I was the first African-American partner at Harris Beach at the time and the first one 
since uh, a partner who was at Nixon Peabody, which is many, many, well, it was Nixon Hargrave, but Nixon Peabody now, uh, and the first partner in a major firm uh, and that occurred you know, since that time, since that partner at Nixon had actually, you know, passed away. So it was a, it was a, it was a very uh, good time for celebration. And at the time, um, I also wanted to and advocated for a scholarship program so that we could advance and assist um, minority students, uh, specifically from the urban community, went to, you know, who go to, the, who went to the Rochester City School District, as well as others, and, uh, and actually uh, provide them with some, uh, scholarship uh, funds uh, to attend law school and to become successful. So that's the, the, the basics in terms of my uh, coming back, starting the firm as an associate and coming back as a partner uh, in 2007. And uh, at that point in time, I definitely got involved with the, uh, with the council. I had a different name back then, but that was the earliest uh, iteration and it was led by a partner who uh, is retired and I truly respect Beth Wilkins, who you know, as a female partner, had overcome a lot of obstacles herself to rise up in the ranks and be a well-respected partner in the uh, corporate department. Mm -hmm. So obviously, mm -hmm. I, I admired her. I didn't have any other, uh, you know, role models at the time. So I definitely admired her and her tenacity and ability to uh, be, be a great lawyer and also bust through a lot of obstacles. I see. Oh, very interesting. Lots of ground there that you've covered. Um, Kim, how about your background? And maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, the, or either of you could talk about the primary reason for forming the Council on Inclusion and how it was received in the firm, as well as in the larger legal, legal community. So Todd and I basically started about the same time at Harris Beach. And over that period of time, we have seen the firm grow as well as each of us individually and professionally. And it's been quite a evolution in the professional world overall. Um, I started at an entry level position and as Bennett indicated in the intro, um, I'm now chief administrative officer and have the privilege of being a co-chair of our council with Todd. Um, I started in the Rochester office and our firm has expanded over the course of the years. Um, now I have a firm wide role and I'm located in the New York City area where we have continued to um, grow as an organization, but also expand in our diversity of, of attorneys as well as professional staff. The council, which was started about 15 years ago, has played a key and pivotal role in helping the firm to embrace diversity inclusion. And I know Todd has um, some great insight into the establishment of the council and how it's impacted on a local level. I would say it's it's education. It's more education uh, about human inter you know human interaction. I mean, let's face it: the practice of law involves communication, uh, both written communication, oral communication, and now with the digital age, right? Uh, you know, visual communication. I think it's very, very important to understand that, uh, for me, diversity and inclusion comes down to three major things, dignity, respect, right, mutual respect, and uh, empathy, right? Uh, and what I mean by that, I don't mean folks trying to feel guilty about this or that, but empathy, meaning trying to walk in the shoes of others and truly understand where they're coming from. I think that makes for a better workforce. It definitely makes for a better a lawyer. 
because that's what we're in the business of providing is quality, skilled, excellent legal services. Now, I will say that the firm, uh, since Beth Wilkins' time, uh, you know, back in the, uh, you know, in the 80s, I mean, the firm has done a fabulous job in terms of the promotion of women, right, and females at the firm. Uh, we have females both on our management committee and the very important compensation committee. And for those who know, the compensation committee deals with how much uh, individuals get paid, right? So uh, we've done a great job there. And when I came back to the firm in 2007, and I always say this, the highest paid partner at a firm our size, which was like, you know, very, it makes you, gives you a lot of pride was a, as a female, right? And the mm-hmm. highest paid partner now, right? In 20, well, I'll say at least 2020, we haven't gotten the comp reports for 2021, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a female again. And I'll tell you, we're probably one of the unique top 250 firms that can say that and in the span of 14, 15 years, the top paid partner has been a female. So I would say that we, uh, at least with respect to uh, gender issues and, uh, uh, you know, the role of uh, female attorneys have done quite well. And we've shown it through actions and importantly, not only in terms of positions of responsibility, but also and also compensation. I think that's a very important to note. Sure, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, Kim and and Todd, could you talk a little bit about what the council does? What are its goals and how does it go about achieving them? You know, I asked that question because obviously we've gone through a lot of change as a country in the last 20, 25 years, and it's accelerated in the last few years. So imagine the council has evolved along with it. And, and, and I definitely. just have to say, I've, uh, I've looked at change over the past 34 years, Ben. So, you know, 34 years. So you can imagine the change that I've seen in this time. Sure. Yeah. Go ahead, Kim. It's a handoff to you now. Super. Thank you. You know, the council has had a very important role at the firm in cultivating a diverse and inclusive environment internally, but also in partnering with our clients and in service of the communities and the legal arena overall. Uh, inclusivity is a very important firm value that we honor and uphold. The council, in conjunction with and having the full support of firm leadership, shepherds our inclusive and diversity strategies. And some of the strategies include the following hiring, retaining, and promoting diverse candidates, establishing and promoting inclusive policies and initiatives, promoting diversity and thought and teaming with our clients too embracing inclusive community service opportunities and serving minorities in need, creating and honoring a culturally aware and inclusive work environment, and providing ongoing educational training, CLE programs, professional development opportunities, not only to our colleagues, but also to clients and the legal community. And then we also do partnering with the law schools, bar associations, the Ron Brown Prep Program, and student minority organizations like the Black Law Student Association, the Latin American Law Student Association, the Outlaws, and others by providing scholarships, internships, externships, mentoring, educational programs, and also some seminars. You know, at a high level, we have a strategic plan for the council and initiatives that are an important part of our overall firm strategic plan. And this is a guiding aspect for us, along with our firm values of inclusion, teamwork, integrity, 
ingenuity and respect. We're very fortunate. We have a great council, our CEO, our management committee, our COO, and firm leadership overall really lead by example. And we have a grassroots level of commitment and support from our colleagues and clients, which we collaboratively execute on the tactical goals and the actions that we develop annually. We have hundreds of Harris Beach diversity and inclusion ambassadors throughout the firm who take pride in advancing our efforts of diversity and inclusion. To break down what Kim said very eloquently is that, look, we have buy-in from management, right, and leadership at the top, and that buy-in has led to an embrace of these initiatives uh, at every level, right? Uh, the staff level, the associate level, and at the partner level. I think that's very, very important uh, because when people say these, these words, diversity, inclusion, especially now, I mean, I've seen enough over 34 years of practice, you know, whether it was folks talking about affirmative action, right? Uh, as you get into culture wars, right? Folks are like, well, I don't want to be awoke. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be forced to do anything. Look, we believe from a, just not only from a, uh, a philosophical perspective, but from a business perspective and a, a perspective of providing our clients the best services. I mean, there's been studies done, uh, quantitative studies as well as qualitative studies that clearly say diverse teams work better, they work more efficiently, and they're just much more profitable. So for instance, if there's a a complex problem, right? If you have folks who think the same way, right? They can get into what I call the insanity piece, where if you do things the same way over and over again, mm -hmm. and expect mm -hmm. a different result. Albert Einstein says, well, that's insanity, right? If you throw in diversity, right? You're not gonna approach it the same way over and over again, because you're gonna have other people at the table analyzing the issue, uh, evaluating it and coming up with the solutions, right? That are gonna be different. Right. They're going to be different than, uh, you know, a homogeneous team or the team where everybody thinks the same similar background. So I think that diversity makes sense. Inclusion makes sense. And not only is it the right thing to do, it's the smart thing to do from a legal business perspective. Kim, I, I know that over time and especially in the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time building relationships at law schools across New York and uh, particularly during the COVID pandemic, worked really hard to maintain those connections at places like Hofstra and Cornell and Syracuse and Buffalo. Um, can you tell us a little bit about why that's important to the firm and how that um, will continue in the future? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ben. You know, Todd shared with us a little earlier that the firm has been around for a very long time, since 1865. And you know, he's a great example of why we cultivated relationships with law schools, not only through his support, but also he was a student who started with Harris Beach. And he now, 34 years later, he's a partner, equity partner with Harris Beach. So having recently celebrated our 165th anniversary, we also take stock of the fact that you know, we are an evolving organization and we have this forward focus on the future. We know that the students of today are the attorneys, the professional staff, and the clients of tomorrow. So our involvement in cultivating these relationships with the law schools, 
the associations, the universities, and supporting students through various options of the mentoring, sponsorships, and internships that we talked about a little bit earlier is just one small way that we can serve and nurture and give back to others to help create a bright future for Harris Beach and also for the legal community. Great. It's really important, yes, to stay with the stay in touch with the kids of the professionals of tomorrow for sure. Now, now, Todd, of course, supporting students is only one part of the journey. Now, I know the council is looking to increase efforts in, in other areas, such as attracting mid-career laterals and uh, ensuring that existing attorneys and staff um, are being considered for promotions and for challenging assignments. Why is now the right time to expand that mission? I would say it's, it's pretty interesting. You got 1865, Civil War, uh, Constitutional amendments guaranteeing the rights of, uh, uh, you know, former slaves. Uh, so America was founded on an idea and a concept. And that concept has got to be inherently diverse because uh, you had uh, people that came here for opportunity and people who were forcibly brought here. Right. And we had a, you know, a civil war that dealt with that awakening. Right. Of what is the right thing? Should, you know, should folks be. Uh, oppressed and enslaved, right? So then you, you flash forward another 100 years to 1965, and you have the civil rights movement. And uh, again, you know, uh, you know, can people get a right to vote? You know what I mean? So the country has evolved. So now we come forward to 2020. So thank goodness it wasn't another 100 years. You know what I mean? It was another maybe 56 years, right? Or 55 mm-hmm. years. Um, and then you have the... Uh, the situation where you had something with, you know, where social media revealed it. So I'd say before that, we'd have to go with uh, Rodney King, right? Where you had, you know, somebody having to have a video camera of, uh, of a situation that dealt with, you know, you know, violence, right? Against someone based on the race. And then you flash forward to 2020, right? With George Floyd and the, uh, you know, the murder of him, right? Uh, captured by a young woman on social media. So I think that when you talk about the timing, look, our country is a country that's very sensitized to events, historical events. And I would say that, again, you know, when you saw what happened in the 2020, uh, it was almost like a light bulb went on in a lot of Americans' heads. Mm-hmm. You saw millions of people saying, you know what, things have got to change because this is terrible, right? This is just straight out terrible. And it's not what our country's about. So I would say that, again, this is a, Again, history in America is very cyclical, and this is a time where, yes, you know, we have to do something to make this place a better place to live, and diversity inclusion is one of those things, right? Of course, there's going to be forces that are against that, and unfortunately, that's that's sad, and now you have kind of like a backlash toward it, but I'm telling you, uh, you cannot stop the winds of change as they start sweeping, you know, across the country. And that's why I believe the time is right now. For sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things evolve in the next couple of years, but I'm glad we're thinking that way. Just a couple of questions for you as we close out um, about the profession more broadly and specifically initially a question regarding recruiting. Now we're hearing, you know, in uh, particularly in the wake of COVID that there's a lot of competition for for attorney talent, um, for associates and um, l- larger firms using very attractive salaries and bonuses to, to bring people um, to uh, to work for them. 
how are we, how has that changed sort of how we recruit and how are we trying to distinguish ourselves? Harris Beach is really defined by the culture of the organization and it has a rich culture that embraces diversity and inclusion. And we really do live and work by our values and embrace diversity both in thought and in the teaming aspects of things. And so going back to, you know, what makes Harris Beach attractive, it's really the people and our culture. And our people are really committed to our clients and to making Harris Beach a great place to work. We have some very smart, talented attorneys and professionals. And not only are they dedicated to our clients, but they're dedicated to one another. And they create this level of engagement with one another as well as the clients. And then, you know, when you bring that all together, supporting one another, valuing each other, respecting each other, and also this work-life balance and need to have work-life balance, those are the things that really, I believe, distinguish Harris Beach from other places to work. Great. Yeah, that's very well, very well said. And um, Todd, as a way of just closing out the conversation, I wanted to ask a question about the legal profession in general. I know at various times over the years, the profession has tried to examine itself and um, focus on equity and fairness. What signs do you see this time that it's going to be different? Um, again, I'll have to go back to the seminal moment that happened in the 2020, right? I will say the uh, the George Floyd trial, right? Folks were looking at that trial. Our society, our country, the world actually was looking at that trial, right? Uh, to see, does the American system of justice work, right? Does it work? And I think the irony of that trial is that, first of all, it was referred to the attorney general, and then the attorney general went and got the most talented attorneys he could get. And they basically were from the private sector, quite frankly, and they're working for free. And they did this, I mean, if you watched it, it was just brilliant lawyering, right? Just mm -hmm. just brilliant lawyering, right? Uh, and it was from a diverse team of, of lawyers in terms of the prosecutorial team. You know, there was a, you know, it was a female, there's an African-American male, you know, there's Caucasian male. And when you see that, it gives you hope, right? That vert gave you hope, right? Then you fast forward to, the most recent trials where you had the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse and then you had the trial of the McMichaels uh, and the other defendant in the Amar, uh, Ahmed Arbery County, right? Mm -hmm. And again, you know what I mean? Um, folks were wondering, does the system of, uh, of justice work? And uh, for a person like me who's dedicated most of my adult life, 34 years to law, the practice of law, you really want to see how it works. And two different verdicts, people can agree one way or the other, but at least uh, it appears that the system works. Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, that's how things have changed. You know, we've come a long way since the Emmett Till uh, murder where that jury, you know, where that jury, uh, you know, did not convict those that were accused, right? To where we are now. It's a shame it takes decades and decades and decades, but, you know, we're finally there because remember, America was founded on an ideal. Uh, very revolutionary. I think our idea. system of laws in, in America, our system is the best in the world mm -hmm. because it's based on trying to pursue and perfect that idea. 
And sure. just to build on what Todd was sharing here, you know, based upon what we experienced as a as a country in 2020 and the social uh, aspect of everything and how it impacted everyone, what I see has changed also is now more than ever, there's this important level of accountability. And not only to say that you're going to do something, but to provide the actions that substantiate what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And so what are you doing to further inclusion and diversity? Don't only tell us what you're going to do, but now show us what you are doing. And that has been a big key um, over the last couple of years. Yeah, that's a that's certainly a, a sense I get throughout the business world as well. Accountability being extremely important. I think that's a good way to 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 end this. Um, I really appreciate um, both of your time here and um, continuing to have this discussion with you because it is so important, um, not just for the legal profession but for our society, as Todd um, pointed out. Um, wanted to thank listeners for for tuning in. Um, for more information about Harris Beach, you can visit www.harrisbeach.com. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach Podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.